Welcome to Pierre's Podcast. This is episode number four for December 27th, 2014. And we are excited as we look at the gift of a life. What is the real meaning of Christmas? What is the plan that God had when he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins? A plan that included the birth of a savior. So we're going to look at that today. Don't go away. We'll be right back as we look at the gift of a life. Stay tuned. about Christmas time, a lot of times we're looking at the gifts that we give, the gifts that we're getting, and we think of Christmas time as a celebra- uh, celebratory time, in which it is a celebratory time, a time for us to get together with our family and our loved ones and uh, just to, you know, celebrate the birth of Christ. But for so long now, that has become a, um, what I would say, commercialized, you know, the, the, the whole idea of Christmas being something that was sacred at one point has kind of faded out from our society at this uh, in this present day and age. So what is it really? I mean, after all, if Christmas has become commercialized and we've lost our way, so to speak, then what is it? Well, let's talk a little bit about what it is. And we're gonna talk about that today in today's message. Uh, the message is entitled, The Gift of Life, because what it really is, is the ultimate gift that God gave man. The gift of life through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Key verses John 1, 10 through 14. John 1, 10 through 14. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Let me read that part again. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Excuse me. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And I want to talk today about what the ultimate sacrifice was, what the ultimate sacrifice was, and what the plan was to get us to this point of accepting him as our Lord and personal Savior. I want to look at that today, and I want to want you to just kind of go there with me. And I want to tell you a quick little story. A young boy asked, where does God fit in all of this and what we call the Christmas season? Where does God fit in in all of this? A 
school teacher in England tells a charming story at a Christmas time. She supervised the construction of a manger scene in the corner of a classroom. The children participated happily in the project. They also enjoyed casting characters for the drama depicting the, nat the nativity. The teacher noticed one boy was particularly enamored by it all and was forever going back and forth to the scene. At last, she asked him if there was anything bothering him. He said, no. She said, are there any questions you would like to ask? Yes, he said. What I'd like to know is, where does God fit in all of this? Where does God fit in all of this? Every single year, we have this thing called Christmas. And it's a holiday season that not only happens here in America, but it happens all around the world. And that's exactly what it is. It's a time of celebration. And it's a time when God made the decision to no longer, to no longer do things the old way. All right? He decided, listen, we are no longer going to do things the old way where we take a sacrifice to the temple. We take a lamb to the temple and we put it on the altar and we sacrifice it so that we can believe our sins are forgiven because that makes us feel better when we take a sacrifice, we put on an altar, and we believe our sins are forgiven, okay? Christ, God was like, no, nope, we're done with that model. That model doesn't work. We're going to put a stop to that. We're going to come up with a better structure, a better game plan, and I'm going to come down in the form of man to earth to become the ultimate sacrifice. I'm going to become the ultimate sacrifice so that mankind, so that mankind can have eternal life. So that mankind can spend eternity with me. So that mankind can accept me into their heart on a more personal level and be able to understand the value in the relationship that they have with me and that I have with them. That's, what, that's, the, new, that's the new model we're going to do. And that's basically what God said, right? Pretty much that's what he said. So when the little boy asked, well, where does God fit in all of this? Where does God fit in in all of this? So let's actually go through this because, you know what, if I could, if I could be there with this young man, if I, could, if I could just sit down with him and have a conversation with him, I would help him understand where God fits in all of this. Point number one, the first thing I would tell this young man, the very first thing I would say to him is, I say, son, listen to me. Number one, first of all, Christ became the beacon of hope for all as to be able to give mankind a savior. All right. That's the very first thing I would tell him. I would just tell him that I would say, listen, man, you know what? I hear you. I hear your frustration. You seeing all the glimmer and the glamoring and all the scrambling and all the, you know, the nativity scene going up and that's beautiful. But where God fits at in all of this, looking at that nativity scene, sitting over there in the corner and seeing your, your classmates prepare, where God fits at in all of this, man, is that he came to earth to be the beacon of hope for all as to be able to give mankind a savior. Mankind, mankind, up to this point, had no savior. We had no outlet. We had no way of connecting with God. All we had was religion. 
So, so the reality of it is, is that God knew this and he understood this. So he became the beacon of hope. He came down in, in, in the form of man as the beacon of hope for all of us as to be able to give mankind a savior. We needed a savior. And he said, I'm going to be the savior because what better, what better sacrifice than to have the ultimate sacrifice? I'm going to give mankind the ultimate gift. Look what John 3, 13, 15 says. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. So no one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. What John is saying here is the same way that happened, the Son of Man will be lifted up. The Son of Man will be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Christ died on the cross for our sins and was raised up. There is countless, countless testimony, not only in the Bible, but in historical books such as Josephus. And they knew who it was. Countless people have seen this. And yet, somewhere along the way, we've taken the focus off of him, off of what this is all about, such as what Caden mentioned. We've taken the focus off of that, and we focus more on our self-gratification, right? So that's the first thing I would tell him. I would say, you're absolutely right, young man. You know, we have to begin to, you know, get our focus back on because God does fit in all this. Yes, he does. And the reason God fits in all of this, because this is all about his salvation for mankind. Look at what Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 says. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And man, this was prophesied hundreds of years before Christ was born. See, man, it's really all about the one thing, and that is that Christ died on the cross for our sins because God wanted to have eternal relationship with us. That's his desire. That was his plan long ago. And man, if we can get our focus back on what the true meaning of Christmas is all about, the birth of our Lord and Savior, so that we could spend eternity with him, man, I'm telling you, your life would be in a much better place. Listen to this song. I think this is a great representation of what we should be reflecting on. And uh, this is a great great Christmas song. Check it out. Bum, bum. 
example for all to see how to get to God and the plan has always been to come to mankind as a sacrificial lamb for our eternal salvation since the fall of man let me read that one again Christ set the example for all to see how to get to God and the plan has always been to come to mankind as a sacrificial lamb for our eternal salvation since the fall of mankind. In other words, since the beginning of Adam and Eve jacking up, since the beginning of that, man, God knew right then the plan was already put into motion. He knew right then. You know what? We're going to have to, you know, we're going to put together a structure that's going to have to take place where 
where I'm going to have to ultimately be the one to come down. I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to give them a chance to go through the process. But ultimately, I'm going to have to be the one that has to come down and make the ultimate sacrifice. Because I love them so much. I cherish them so much that I'm going to have to be the one that becomes that gift of life for them because they can't do it on their own because they just can't get it right. They just cannot get it right. So this is what God says. Look at Micah 5, 2 through 4. But you, O Bethlehem, <laughs> O Bethlehem Ephrathah, O Bethlehem Bethlehem, <laughs> he's going to say, O Bethlehem, you, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people in Judah. Yet, a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Pay attention to that. One whose origins are from the distant past. Right? The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then, at last... His fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength, the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world. Again, prophetic. But still, yet they reject him. And when he says, when it says, then his people will live there undisturbed, it's referring to in heaven. It's referring to in heaven. So I would tell this young man that. I would say, you know, man, it's a thing of where, have you accepted Christ into your heart as Lord and personal Savior? Yeah, I have. That's why I'm asking why, where's God at in all this? Well, great. Then let me explain this to you. Not tell him point number two, right? And I'd help him see that. Then I'd bring him to, to John again in the New Testament. I'd say, now look at John 3, 17 through 21. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Do you sin? Do you sin? Anybody sin? Anybody sin? Right? We all sin, right? That's just human nature, right? But yet, because you've accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, for those of you guys that have done that, there's no judgment brought against you. When you repent and you ask God to forgive you, he wipes the slate clean. He wipes the slate clean. The beautiful thing about it is, man, he did all the work for you. All you have to do is repent right where you're at in your action. Ask him to cleanse your heart. Ask for his forgiveness. You don't have to have a guilty conscience about it. And that's it. You're cleansed. You're wiped clean. I can't imagine trying to take a lamb, man, halfway across the country to pull on the altar, probably about a 10-minute ritual, I'm thinking. So I'm going to go halfway across the country. I'm going to exhaust myself. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be wore out. I got to drag the kids, man. They acting crazy, you know. I can see, you know, I can see doggone charisma getting on my last nerves, man. You know what I mean? I, I just can't imagine, man. Wife upset, man. She mad. She fussing. And then I get there for 10 minutes to get this, this sacrifice done. It's too much. And so I tell this young man, I say, young man, the beautiful thing about this is, is that God died on the cross. This was all part of his plan as the, as the ultimate sacrificial lamb, as the ultimate sacrificial lamb, so that we would have to go through that process no more. 
So then I go to point number three. Not tell the young man, I say, now listen, point number three, Christ replaced, Christ replaced a flawed system of connecting to God, and man can't see God without surrendering to Christ and coming through his bloodline. And he has accepted us into his bloodline. And so I tell this young man that. I say, son, listen, Christ replaced a flawed system of connecting to God, and man can't see God without surrendering to Christ and coming through his bloodline. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, I'm going to make it plain and simple and direct and right to the point. You're going to go to hell when you die. Flat out, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. No way around it. Well, but you know, no, I'm a good person. No, does it matter? Does it matter that you're a good person? None of that matters. See, that's the issue. Religious people think they're good people because they practice religion. But that's exactly what they're doing. They're just practicing it. They don't have a relationship with God. They don't have a direct connect with God. And so what happens is they're no different They're no different than the individuals in the biblical days, particularly the Old Testament days when they were making the sacrifices. They're no different. They're doing the same exact thing. They're just going through the ritual of it. No, you accept Christ into your heart as your Lord and personal Savior. You confess him as the ruler of your life. You grow and mature by studying and reading the word of God and praying and asking him to help you grow mature, he takes you through tests, trials, and tribulations that you're going to go through anyway, even if you don't accept them. So you might as well accept them so you can at least be on the winning side of all this craziness. Right? You might as well because you're going to go through it anyway. You just are. Or you can make the choice to not accept them, and guess what? Deal with it on a level that no one has ever experienced before. Because hell, according to the word of God, is a lake of fire where you never burn to death. You never die. You just burn. And there will be gnashing of teeth and wailing and crying and pain and sorrow. And everything you can think of negative will be. So think of the world as it is today, right? Think of the world as it is right now, the craziness you see going on, now take that and multiply it 100,000 times. And the bad part about it is you can't die. See, at least if, at least if you suffer and you die, do you suffer anymore? No, because you're dead and you're gone. In hell, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. So it's just a constant place of torment according to the word of God. A constant place of torment. So I tell that young man that. I say, listen, man, Christ replaced a flawed system so that you could connect with God because man can't see God without surrendering to Christ and coming through his bloodline. You got to get saved, man, if you're not. I wouldn't say to try to scare him. I I don't need to scare him. It's enough in the world that's scary. I would say it, man, as a sense of urgency to explain to him, this is real, man. It ain't nothing you're going to ever be able to do, man, that's going to make it right. You're never going to be able to make it right. You're just going to, man, we're human, y'all. We're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. We just are. You're going to mess up. 
And unless you have Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and personal Savior, and unless you come through his bloodline, you're not going to make it. Look at what Leviticus 17.11 says. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the body is in its bloodline, or in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Now, Leviticus, Old Testament, ritual. This is what they did. They made the sacrifice. But you can parallel that to the Christ. You can parallel that to God. You can parallel that to him dying on the cross. So let's read it again. This is God talking to you. He's talking to you specifically. For the life of the body is in the blood. God's saying, look, my blood. I tell this young man, he's saying this to you, bro. He's saying, look, my blood. And then he's saying to you, I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, to make you holy, to make you pure, so that you can be in my presence someday. So the gap is erased. There's no longer a gap. Now you can reside with me. Sin is a bully. Sin is a bully. That's what it does to you. Hey, 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 hey. You're going to always fall short. It's a bully. You're never going to be able to overcome it. So guess what you need? You need somebody bigger, with bigger fists, with bigger gloves, and that can box for you. Because your arms is too short to box. And you need somebody bigger that can box for you. You know what? Okay, I'm tired of you hitting on me, man. I'm going to get my, 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 my daddy. Daddy, what's up? Now hit me, punk. I got a daddy with me now. Go right ahead. See, and see, I'm going to back off. Oh, now I'm going to leave that alone. So then I tell him that. I say, look, man, you need your daddy. And not your human daddy, but your actual spiritual daddy. And then you know what? That's what we all need. We all need our spiritual daddy. We all need our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who can fill in the gaps for us. Because without him... Salvation would not be possible. And this is really what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. It's about a baby coming down from heaven to basically stand in the gap for us because of our sin nature. Someone that can help represent us when we stand before God. And this is the gift of a life. And this is the gift that our Lord and Savior gave us. The greatest gift of all. And this is the gift we need to reflect on every Christmas. God bless you all. Look forward to seeing you guys again in January of 2015 next year. And that's coming up here real fast. Please feel free to join us at our Regeneration Youth Services between the ages of 13 to 18. Parents, feel free to drop your kids off every Sunday. We start our services at 10 a.m. and we're done by 11.45. That address is 26555. Franklin Road, and that's Southfield, Michigan, at Christian Tabernacle Church. Again, 26555 Franklin Road, in Southfield, Michigan, 48034, at Christian Tabernacle Church, under the direction of our loving pastor, Dr. James L. Mormon, and his lovely wife, Sister Loretta Mormon. This is Pierce Podcast. You know what? Do me a favor, if you don't mind, like us on Facebook. That's Pierce Podcast on Facebook. And if you'd like to make a comment or just give an encouraging word, that'd be awesome. 
Also, if you listen to us on WBFJ 1550 AM in the triad area of North Carolina, man, let us know that. That really helps us to keep track of who our uh, demographic is, be it on the internet or be it on the actual radio stations. 